give a warm welcome to Pastor Jonathan Suber. you. Can we just clap our hands to Jesus all over this place and begin to create an atmosphere and a climate of praise? I've got a little scripture for you. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I wish you'd touch somebody and say, it's morning time and I feel like dancing. I feel like rejoicing. Our bishop is dancing on the streets of gold. We might as well dance on some carpet down here. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You can be seated. I, I, as they were singing, that scripture just kept going over and over in my mind. The hope of heaven is this room. The fragrance of heaven is in this room. You can feel the tangible evidence of heaven in this room. And a lot of that goes back to your pastor and when he called me. And I, I was, of course, I was nervous. Had no idea Pastor Danny was going to be here. I'd probably said no. Because that joke is a preacher. And then, um, I haven't listened to Pastor James a lot, but he happened to send me the series. And so I have gone through the last three weeks. I had no idea, but my Lord have mercy. This has been an incredible series, just talking about the second coming and being the bride of Christ and all these different things. And so that atmosphere is set today, and God knew. He saw the end from the beginning. And he was able to speak and to set in place a divine plan the last three or four weeks, as Pastor said. And the evidence, the fragrance of heaven, I, I feel that, the fragrance of heaven, the atmosphere of heaven is in this room. And I know it's a special day, but I just have to stop for a minute, kind of to tell you a little bit who we are. Bishop and Miss Polly spent three Father's Days with us. My father died when he was only 59. My wife lost her father, and the Greens are family, and Bishop became our father. And I remember I called James first, and then I called Bishop, and I said, well, no, I called Bishop first, and that was his words. You call James and see if I have permission from my pastor to come and preach for you on Father's Day. And it's one of the highest privileges of our life, highlights of our, they spent three Father's Days with us and we just, their family, and then during probably the most difficult season physically, emotionally, in our marriage and ministry for my wife, I love them so much, she came and spent three days with your incredible, incredible Ms. Polly Green. And the bishop was there, but I just want to honor this woman of God. I, my wife, we were talking about earlier, she literally felt she was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Three days with you guys changed her life. She came home with peace. She came home with her smile, and she's never been the same again. I just want to honor. Can you honor? Uh, no, I, I think that's incredible. We already did it once, but... We honor this incredible woman of God. We honor your pastors. Come on, we can do that one more time. We, you're going to get a lot of that in the next few days. They changed our life. But as pastor was talking to me a little bit about the series, I'm a faith preacher, and we're preaching something else at home. And I don't know, I haven't preached a lot just about heaven in my lifetime. I mean, I do as a preacher, we slip it out, but as far as just focusing on it, and I felt the Holy Spirit really speaking to me about the hope of heaven. So I just want to talk about hope today, if that's all right. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about heaven and what's going on in this room. I told him we'd be out by three, and that'll be good. And uh, 
Why are you laughing? I was raised in West Africa. Do I have any Nigerians in the room? Do I have any Ghanaians in the room? I quabble. Come on. So 1 Peter 1 and 3. Let's just jump in to be in the New King James Version. Uh, 1 Peter 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. Say again. To a living hope. <laughs> to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want to talk about the resurrection of hope. It seems like we have been living in a season the last two or three years where people are just simply hopeless. See, without hope, there is nothing. The apostle said, if I had hope in this life only, I would be of all men most miserable. Scripture understands and recognizes, that's why the writer of Proverbs 13 said, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Suber's translation is simply like this, hope delayed creates depression. And you have millions of people struggling with despondency and depression and fear because they're hopeless. But if our hope is in heaven, the enemy has simply tried to steal the hope of a culture by heaven not being preached anymore. He has tried to steal the hope of a church without heaven being preached anymore. But there's a church still in Spring, Texas that believes in eternity, in heaven and in hell. And we're some glad morning when this life is o'er. Somebody ought to shout it. I'm going to fly away. Uh, one blog during the pandemic said, what has happened to the greatest Christian nation in history? who has now fallen into an epidemic of hopelessness, what went wrong? There's so many different ways that our bodies, our minds, our spirits can be shattered, sickness, disease, disaster, our homes through divorce and violence and death and debt, our lives through drugs, alcohol, crime, bereavement, brokenheartedness, desertion. What about your dreams, your ambitions are broken, your failure, your defeat, your disappointment? The Center of Disease Control said 22 million Americans, 8% of our population, suffer from such severe depression that there are 29,000 suicides a year that was pre-COVID. I just read this week, it has now doubled. Somebody say hopelessness. This year, it's been estimated that 35 million people live in fear and anxiety. When I heard the testimony during the song a while ago, I wanted to do a little Holy Ghost dance when she began to talk about anxiety because the Spirit of the Lord has come to deliver somebody today. I'm telling you, the presence of the Lord is here to release. If you came here hopeless, I'm about to preach some hope to you, and its name is Jesus. Hope's name is Jesus. Ha <laughs> ha. Luke wrote, Luke 21, 26, he says, men's hearts fail them for fear and for those looking for after those things which are coming on the earth. But it's in this environment that we begin to turn to hope. It's in this environment. I didn't want to preach a lot about hopelessness. I just wanted to do a few minutes. I didn't want to depress anybody, but I wanted to set it up. How many of you agree we are living in a generation of hopelessness and despair? There are more suicides among middle schoolers today than there has ever been in the history of our nation. There is more people on certain medications today. I'm not against medications, but I also believe that God can heal you just like he can heal anything else. 
See, I believe in miracles. Maybe you didn't know, but 11 months ago, they told me I had four months to 12 months to live. My EF was was 10 after two times of COVID and I was in the hospital intubated and told I would not live and if I lived it would be four months I may have had with my heart four months to 12 months I'm in my 11th month but let me tell you what happened a little Nigerian nurse came in and whispered in my ear and she said do you speak in tongues and I said why yes I do and she prayed for me about two hours and God rose me up and I felt the healing power of the Holy Ghost the same power that's touched your pastor's wife the same power that is in this room I've come to preach hope to somebody they told me I didn't have any hope but look what the Lord has done he healed my body he touched my mind he saved me that's an old song some of you don't know that old song I see some of y'all in here you ready to shout See, I said the first part of 1 Corinthians, but he said, if in this life only we had hope in Christ, we're of all men most pitiful or most miserable. But here's what he said. He said, but, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Wait a minute. You're saying that my cure for hopelessness is that if I look at how Jesus was resurrected, then I'm going to be resurrected. If I look at how Jesus ascended, then I'm going to ascend. If I look at Jesus at the right hand of the Father, I'm going to be at the right hand of the Father. It kind of changes the despair part. See, our hope is in Jesus. Which means, uh, which means our hope is in heaven. If our hope is in Jesus, then our hope is in heaven. Peter said in 1 Peter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, I'm going to read a lot of Bible today, I hope that's okay, has begotten us, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I just proved it to you. Quit arguing with me. The hope comes of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. While I'm so excited today is I know the body of bishop is in some funeral home somewhere but I know that the soul of bishop is in the city where the lamb is the light and I've come to preach to somebody if you want to honor bishop it's time to get saved today you don't need to send flowers you need to commit your heart to Jesus and get ready for eternity I don't know what's happening up here I feel revival I thought we was just going to sit down on a stool and cry a little bit, but I feel joy in this room. The joy, Thomas More said this way, earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. <laughs> earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. There's no Parkinson's in heaven. There's no cancer in heaven. There's no rape or abuse in heaven. There's no anxiety or depression in heaven. Mm. I was thinking about this earlier. See, Bishop Green spent his entire life, this church I think is about 50 years old, he spent his entire life trying to get you ready for eternity. 
Why did he teach Bible studies? It wasn't to build members of his church. He is one of the few men I know that has probably won more people to God that never attended his church than anybody I know on the radio, at the cattle sale, out working on a tractor. He led people to Jesus that never stepped foot because it wasn't about his ministry. It wasn't about his finances. It wasn't about his reputation. It was about the kingdom and eternity. And he preached Jesus Christ to snatch people out of the flames of hell. See, he believed Ephesians 2 that God has given us a place with Christ in heaven. God has given us a place with Christ in heaven to show for all ages to come God's goodness to us because of Christ. The greatest gift that you could give to this family. The greatest gift. I know all of you. How can we serve? How can we serve? When I give an appeal in a moment or when pastor gives the appeal, when we end this service, I believe there could literally be people that would stand today that know that you are not ready to take that step, but the hope of heaven is stirring inside of you. And if you want to honor this man, of God today is your day tell somebody today's your day today's your day years ago my family we as I said I'm a missionary's kid and we went to West Africa and I was raised in Cote d'Ivoire est-ce qu'il y a des francophones qui sont là are there any French speaking Africans here evidently not that's Burkina Faso any of you here I'm just going to keep talking dialect see if I find somebody but I, I <laughs> I, I, I'll never forget my, our first wedding because it's a big deal over there among Christians, especially young ministers in Bible school. It, when You can't kiss, okay, because they preach. I mean, that, that's a sin. So you can't preach. You can hold hands, but you cannot kiss until you get married, like at your wedding. How many of you did that? I told my kids for years, I did not kiss my wife before we were married. Kiss my girlfriend. Matter of fact, I kissed a bunch of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't tell my mama. <laughs> so, so we go to this wedding, one of my Bible school friends, and, and it was a big deal. Oh, you, you know, we were all excited. You're getting married. It's a big deal. And I mean, right when my dad was at the point where, and you may... He was about to say it. Right when he did that, some old mother over here screamed, Maranatha, which is Maranatha. Maranatha. When she screamed, Maranatha, that entire crowd, including the bride and the groom, raised their hands and jumped as loud and as high as they could and shouted, Jesus revient bientôt, which means Jesus come. Jesus come quickly. And then she said it again, Maranatha. And they jumped and they raised their hands right at the point of kissing. I'm like, dear God, what's happening? And afterwards I went and said, what in the world was that? They said, oh brother, it was the twinkling principle. I said, what do you mean the twinkling principle? They said, didn't the apostle Paul say in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed we teach our people to constantly wait for the sound of the shout and the sound of the trumpet because at any minute he was about to kiss her but Jesus could have come back so their being prepared for the second coming was more important than them being prepared for their wedding them being 
prepared for the coming of Christ. Can I preach the twinkling principle up in here today? I want to talk about the tw- ah, if I was in a, if I was in one of my kind of African churches, I would just say mananata. People kind of go nuts when you, <laughs> but they shouldn't have told a young preteen that because we decided as boys we would go to the market when the old men and pastors were shopping for Bible school supplies and getting the melons and the eggs and the things that break (laughs) and prove whether they were ready for Jesus to come back. Only did it once. His name was Bishop Io. I only did it once. Group of old men were with him. We call them old men. That's a term of respect. Le vieux. Call them. They were probably my age back then, but we called them the old men. It was a term of respect. He was the president of the Bible school. And so we went. We were sneaking. They didn't know we were there. And right when he had his hands loaded down, I jump up behind him and scream, Maranatha! He dropped everything. Eggs, melon, cantaloupe. Dropped everything. Raised his hands hands. Jesus revier. And then he realized Jesus wasn't there. And that was the last time. Well, <laughs> I said that to talk to you a little bit about hope. If there are cultures and generations of people that their entire life has been with heaven on their mind, why is it that we just simply focus on the hell we're living in? If you have an entire church generation, there are so many preachers that don't even believe in a literal heaven, that don't even believe in a literal eternity. There are things your pastor taught in the last three weeks that I can tell you the debate going on. I thank God for a man of God bold enough to preach the word of God. I thank God for a man. I'm telling you, you're hearing some word in this place. What is heaven? What's it going to be like? Revelation 21, and I can't get into all the majesty of it, but it says that there's no sun or moon in heaven because God's glory shines bright and lights up everything. There's no gates in heaven. There is no night there. Why is there no night there? Because it's the city where the lamb is the light. There is no darkness. There is no sickness. There is no disease. There is no divorce. Can you just... Just think about it right now. What is going on in your life that just one step into eternity would block it away and would break off your shackles of mortality, break off your shackles of the frailties of your flesh and allow you to enter into the joy of the Lord? Talk about heaven. See, what is it? I just want to get sick. Can I get simple? I was going to get all theological, but can I just get simple? Because it's twinkling principle. I haven't thought about that for years, Pastor. And for the last three days, it's all I can think about. Maranatha, Maranatha, Maranatha. Even so come, even so come. What if we honestly believe that heaven is better than down here? What if we honestly believe that the God that created the heavens and the earth, that said, let there be and flick the universe out from underneath his fingernails. The God that had no vocal cords and yet spoke and the entire world was created by his voice. The same God that reached down with invisible hands and built Adam in the very dirt of the ground and then breathed his breath into Adam which became the blood of mankind. That same Elohim Yahweh God, that same God has been spending an eternity preparing a place 
for you. It took him one day to create the heavens and the earth, but it's taken him an eternity to get your house ready. You ought to shout about it right now. Preparing a place for me. See, it's a real place. The apostle Paul said, set your sights on the reality of heaven. Colossians 3 and 1. I love that. Set your sights on the reality of heaven. It's a physical place. It's real and it's physical. How do you know it's physical? Because Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you. That where I am, say where he is, there I may be also. So if I'm going to be in Jesus, then that means I'm going to be in heaven. So when you use that scripture, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And to be in Jesus means you're in heaven. It means you already have one foot in heaven now if you're in Christ. You're still in this earth. I wish you'd tell somebody, I'm transitioning. See, that's what's wrong with me. I'm transitioning. You don't understand why we're rejoicing today with someone we love right now has passed away because we know we're about to see him again. And we know that there's no time in eternity. So we know that Bishop's not going to be sad. We know that he's rejoicing. And one second later, his whole family's going to be around him rejoicing in the throne because time and eternity doesn't matter. It's a permanent place. Ephesians 2 said, it's through grace we've been saved and God has given us a place with Christ in heaven. (laughs) A place with Christ in heaven. It's permanent, it's real, and it's where God lives. The psalmist in Psalm 123, somebody say, what's heaven? I'll just tell you this, it's where God lives. People say, do you believe in literal gates? Do you believe in literal streets of gold? Do you believe, listen, here's what I believe, the lamb is there. Here's what I believe Jesus is there. Here's what I believe. There's a throne and I'm going to cast my crown. And I can't wait to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy. Enter thou into the joy. That's why I feel the release of joy, the resurrection of hope in this room. The last three weeks, God was preparing you. Not just preparing you for a death, but he's preparing you for heaven so that right now you are in a, it's a totally different concept in this church than many churches would be today because of the hope of the resurrection that's in this room. I said it earlier, he designed it for us, but Matthew 25 said, my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation. That's the proof text. The kingdom prepared for you. Wait a minute. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the earth. Are you telling me that heaven has been being prepared since the creation of the earth? Yes, I am. Am I telling you that you are an eternal spirit? Yes, I am. I'm telling you that Ecclesiastes 12 and 7 says that the spirit shall return. Say return that means that the spirit was already with God before it was in your body so what many of you don't understand is when you're weeping and crying or even some drug addicts and people that struggle with addiction they say I don't know what's wrong with me I'll tell you what it is it's the spirit that's inside you yearning for heaven it's the spirit inside you yearning for peace that nothing will satisfy down here I've heard people say I don't understand I'm just craving something your soul is craving heaven hallelujah hallelujah I feel hope in this room. Somebody said, well, where is it then? All I know is it's up and it's out of this world. That's all I know. It's out of this world. There's several things. I don't think I have time because I want to get you out by three. But I kind of wrote down the ABCs of what won't be in heaven. A, no accidents, no aches, no anxiety, no acne, no ants. 
B, no bullies, no broken hearts, no bad hair days, no baldness. Somebody say amen. No cancer, no crime, no car trouble, no cavities, no cellulite. D, no dead ends, no delays, no dirty dishes, no diapers, no dementia. Hey! What about E? No errors. What about F? No failures. What about G? No garbage. What about H? No hunger. What about I? No irritation, no insecurities, no injustice, no indigestion. Is anybody getting excited about heaven? I know I'm simple. You'll have a real preacher next week. Dr. Brassfield's going to be here. But J, no June gloom in heaven. No keys to misplace in heaven. My husband's preaching, my, my son is preaching for me today, and he texts me about 6 o'clock. I can't find my keys because his wife's at the hospital with her baby. He texts me and said, I'm supposed to preach, and I can't find my keys. We had to send somebody about 30 minutes out of the way to go out where they just built a house to bring him to church. He won't have to worry about that in heaven. I'm not picking on lawyers, but there's no lawyers in heaven. That's L. There won't be any preachers either because we won't need them. What about M? No misunderstandings, no miscommunication, no mosquitoes. What about N? No nose hair. What about O? No old age in heaven. What about P? There'll be no prejudice in heaven. There'll be no politics in heaven. There'll be no political campaigns in heaven because he's king of kings and lord of lords. Jesus is king. And he don't need your vote. Q, no quarrels. R, no racism. No refugee camps. No receding hairlines. Mm, somebody. Mm. S, no sales calls. <laughs> T, already Houston, no traffic. No traffic in heaven. <laughs> what about... What about you? And I, I'm sorry. I, I know it's simple. There'll be no ugly in heaven. Ha! Be no. <laughs> there'll be no ugly. I'll just go quickly. There, there'll be no weeds in heaven. W, there, there's X, Y, Z that you can just make up some stuff. But there are things. And, and we think you're laughing. But how many of you have ever really thought about that? That's what heaven is going to be like. No bunions. You're going you're gonna to shout for a million years. Do you remember, anybody remember that old song? For the first million years, you will find me. I'll be sitting at the feet of my Lord. Y'all don't remember that? Boy, I'm old. Dear God, I'm old. A million years dancing in the presence of the Lord. So what's going to happen when we get there? What will we do in heaven? Number one, you can write this down if you want to. We'll be reunited with others who love Jesus. Bottom line, we'll be reunited. Heaven's sweeter. Pastor James said it, but for me, my, my dad and then my mother, I left her in hospice yesterday. Uh, seven weeks ago, they gave her 48 hours to live. <laughs> She's at church today, just so you know it. She's weak, she's frail, but they tell us it could be any day. I'm like, well, God knows, hallelujah. <laughs> But it gets sweeter. Heaven gets sweeter. We'll be reunited. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 in the message interpretation. Now, I know the message is not a translation. People are like, I don't know why you're talking about the message. It's an interpretation. I know it, and I like it. 
Okay, I know it and I like it. Here's what he said. He said, there will be one huge family reunion with the master. Won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear. See something stirring. Can you feel it? I feel the hope of heaven rising right now. I believe there's people that came in this room a little heavy, a little depressed, a little worried, maybe bound, holding on to some things that you're like, I'm trying to serve Jesus, but I'm holding hands with something else. But all of a sudden, you're beginning to release that because your hunger for heaven is becoming more palpable than your hunger for a bad relationship, than your hunger for a bottle, than your hunger for a needle, than your hunger for something that has broken you and rejected you. The hope of heaven has wrapped itself around you in the last few minutes, and you're feeling it pulled to you. The other thing that's going to happen, you'll be rewarded for our faith. Rewarded for our faith, hope, and love. Colossians 3.24. Knowing that you will receive. Somebody say knowing. You will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward for serving Christ. Did you know that? We don't, we don't deserve anything. We don't deserve anything. The blood of Jesus has plucked us from the flames of hell. But we have such a good father. He's going to reward us for something he did. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I believed, and now my father's going to reward me for something that he did. Hallelujah. I'm trying to wrap up. Are y'all bored? So, so, so how should I live? I got to talk about that because pastor's been kind of, kind of straight around here. I mean, I, I laughed. I told Stephanie, I turned off and read the notes and turned off one of his messages. I said, baby, he's gun barrel straight. <laughs> Preaching the word. But what's it going to be like? I'll tell you, number one, don't, how, how should I live? How should I live? If I'm going to go there, number one, don't be distracted by temptation. Say it out loud. Don't get distracted. First Peter 2.11, you're only visitors on earth. Since your real home is in heaven, this is the living Bible. It says, keep away from evil pleasures of this world. They are not for you, but they fight against your very soul. I want you to ask yourself, is what you're distracted by Taking you closer to Jesus or further away? Now I want you to ask yourself, is it really worth it? Is that moment, that week, that day, that report, that overtime, is it really worth it? Distractions. Number two, oh, I wish I had time to preach this. Don't be discouraged by trouble. Don't be discouraged. That's why I started this message. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Don't be discouraged by trouble. This is why we never give up. These troubles and sufferings are ours. After all, they're quite small and won't last very long. Yet this short time of distress will result in God's richest blessings upon us forever and ever. 2 Corinthians 4. The trouble's all around us, but we look forward to the joys in heaven which we have not yet seen. 
I was sitting over here during worship and I knew what I was going to preach, but it started blowing my mind when the worship leaders were so exuberant and the presence of the Lord was so strong. I said, just three weeks of preaching about eternity has shifted the atmosphere of this church. Just three weeks of thinking about Jesus is coming back to get me. About three weeks of the hope that is inside us. You ought to clap your hands and give God. Maranatha! You need to allow the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, because that, that in a moment in the twinkling in a moment in the twinkling of an eye No, take one minute right now and somebody ought to rejoice about the hope Father I release resurrection of hope the awakening of hope the last one my focus you have to focus your energy Focus your energy. And I, I, I think this was the last major biblical point when I wrote down you have to focus your energy on what will last, what is permanent and not temporary. Look around your, this room. Even the flesh is temporary. Everything in this room is temporary but the Spirit. So if the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the only tangible thing in this room that is permanent, why are we so afraid of it? Why can't we surrender to it? And why don't we want to be filled by it? Because it is the only permanent. Ephesians 2, Paul said, it's through grace you've been saved and God has given us a place with Christ in heaven. Said that earlier, but here's the rest. To show for all ages to come. All ages to come. Say permanent. Heaven is the show for all ages to come. God's goodness to us because of Christ. Maranatha. I want you to stand with me. I want you to stand with me. And I told you that story, and it's kind of funny when we think about it. And I read that scripture to you. And, but there's another scripture that I didn't put this in until I was in Africa. And they were teaching me this concept of Maranatha. This twinkling principle, this being prepared for the skies. The, the old writers, you say, the eastern skies shall part. And you begin to think about this glorious return and the Lamb of God, the King of Kings, upon a white horse coming back with his saints. And you begin to envision, and the African pastors would teach me all this. But they said, brother, do you realize? I know that's a terrible accent for some of you. Brother, do you realize that... The early church, their only hope was in heaven. And I said, no, I don't understand. And they said, yes, the reason it's such a big deal to us, if you go to the Didac, which is the original writings outside of Scripture of the New Testament operations of the church, the Didac explains, but then our research history explains, that the word Maranatha in Aramaic is a code word that the early Christians that were being persecuted and thrown to the lions dipped in oil like candles and burnt alive, thrown to the gladiators, the Christians that were in exile, the code word that they used to determine whether you were a Christian or not was not Jesus, was not baptism, it was not repentance, it was the Aramaic word, Meranata. Stay with me. I didn't know this. Somebody smarter than me had to teach me this. 
So you go to 1 Corinthians 16, 22. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. But do you understand, according to Scripture, some of you may be guessed, you may not understand, that when the, the disciples that became apostles are writing these letters, there are other false disciples there are other letters there are hundreds of letters as a matter of fact that were being circulated around the world saying that this is what Christianity believes but it was literally a government attack to try to confuse the true church somebody say propaganda we don't have letters today but we have the internet I don't care what news channel you watch the news channel propaganda what are they trying to do take away our hope Take away our hope. So when Paul is writing, Pastor, he says, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, which is to be cursed. I mean, literally be cursed, to be cut off. All of that's in Greek. Say Greek. If I was smart, I would read it to you, but I'm not. Let him be accursed. Stop. Meranata. Aramaic. Wait, wait a minute. You're writing a Greek letter. And you put an Aramaic word. Why? Because it was the code word. And the only way they knew it was really the Apostle Paul was because, <laughs> was because of the hope of the resurrection. And he said, if you don't believe anything else, if there's nothing else I'm preaching that makes sense, Maranatha, if there's nothing else that I'm talking about makes sense, even so come, even so come, even so come. So this preacher come from Austin, Texas today to tell you if nothing I've ever preached makes sense, I've come to tell you that heaven is real. Heaven is waiting for you and you have an opportunity to go there. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for you right now, but pastor, I, I don't know how you do it. You want me to give an appeal? Because I felt this. Maybe I was wrong. I honestly believe that there's people here. You love Jesus, but you also really love this family and you love Bishop. Some of you have come to church today. You don't even come a lot, but you're here to honor the legacy. The greatest honor we could give today is if everybody in this room would make sure that they're ready for heaven. Every eye closed, and I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm not going to ask you to come. The team can do whatever they want at the end, but I'm going to pray. But before I pray, if you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I just want to make sure. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I'm about to make sure that my heart is ready. I'm surrendering, not out of guilt. I hope you don't feel any guilt today, no condemnation today. There's so much joy here. There's so... We're not preaching turn or burn. No one's here trying to force you to be saved. I'm trying to tell you it's the greatest opportunity of a lifetime. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this room and say, today changes everything, and I will be prepared to go to heaven. Raise your hands right now all over this room, all over this room, all over this room, all over this room, all over this room. All over this room. Thank you, Jesus. All over this room, I'm going to pray. Can you feel the presence of God that I feel right now? This, this is a holy place. Keep your eyes closed because there may be people raising their hands that really don't care. They don't want you to see them. This, this is between them and God, and pastors are looking so they can serve them. But 
There's just that presence of God. So I want to pray. And if you would pray with me right now, would you just say, Lord Jesus, I'm yours. I reserve nothing. Fill me with all of you. I'm sorry. I've been distracted. I've strayed. I've lost my way. I repent. Save me. Forgive me. Fill me. Prepare me for eternity. Through the blood of Jesus. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Now clap your hands and rejoice. Somebody shout it with me. Maranatha. 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 Hallelujah. celebrate with all those who raised their hand this morning, surrendered their life to Jesus. Come on, let's give them a shout. Guys, we celebrate you today. I know God ministered to your heart. Thank you for being obedient, listening to that voice. And uh, I just want you to continue to take steps. If you don't want know what the next step is, we'll help you. If you need to be water baptized, we can help you with that. If you want to get be a part of our growth track and how do I get started, we can help you with that. Amen. And so take your next step. God has challenged some of you this morning to be ready for heaven. Amen. I'm excited about that. Pastor Jonathan, wow. Thank you for preaching to us today. I don't know about you, but I needed to be preached to. Amen. I think we need to have him back a little more, don't y'all think? Have a little revival going on. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. I love it, each and every one of you. Thank you for being here today. Again, if you can help us this Friday, we appreciate it. We love you. God bless you. I will say there's no Wednesday night 
no Wednesday night this week. We, the following week, we will go back to our normal schedule. So no Wednesday night Bible studies. So uh, it's, we're, we've got so much preparing this week for uh, the service. So God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. We love you.